Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker here with Filmmaking Stuff, and I'm super excited. Today's guest is Jeff Lysowitz. Now, Jeff reached out to me, you know, he's, he's one of these interesting guys that does quite a lot. In fact, uh, when you go to his website, which you, which we'll tell you about here at the end of this, but, but his bio is really interesting because he burns with a mission and his mission is to inspire writers, artists, musicians, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, and everyone else to amp up their creativity, heal their hearts and shine in the world. Now keep in mind his background's pretty diverse. He's an award-winning musician a producer, a critically acclaimed author, and an internationally distributed filmmaker, and he's devoted his life to creativity. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about creativity. I mean, you wrote this book, and I'm sure we'll talk about it quite a lot, but the, the title of your book is Not Effing Around, the no, I don't know if I can say this, but the no <laughs> BS guy <laughs> for getting your creative dreams off the ground. Right, right before we started this interview, Jeff asked me if it was okay to cuss, and I told him that we should keep it PG. Uh, so I'm trying to do that, and at the same time, nice. <laughs> nice, tell man. everybody about the title of your book. Um, but t- t- just tell us what 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 does it mean to not be effing around? Right, absolutely. So the world will do everything in its power to distract you from both, I believe, from both who you really are and to do what you really are meant to do in the world between your peers and your family and the media and all of that stuff. It's really easy to get sucked into things that don't really matter to you, right? So not effing around to me is finding the truth of who you are aligning your actions with that, both in your mind and in your heart, and then stepping fully into that, right? It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, quitting the day job and going to Broadway to be in a Broadway show or, you know, try that kind of thing. Um, It could mean that, but it could also mean like, oh, you know what? I'm going to work on my screenplay for real five hours every weekend. Right. So, yeah, I think that's hard for all of us, right? Because we all have this voice in our head that tells us the 50,000 reasons why we can't do something. And even when we take a step towards that thing that we want to do, that voice still pops up with like these little micro reasons why you can't do it. How do you overcome that? Yeah. So those voices in your head are, uh, you know, everybody's got them. They all have slightly different uh, tones to them. And they're coming from slightly different places from you know, your mom to the teacher who, you know, screwed you up in grade school for telling you you sucked to, um, you know, your current peers or spouse or like who knows where these things are coming from. But they all kind of boil down to one thing, and that is fear, right? So it, fear will take many forms. It will take the form of procrastination. It'll take the form of I'm not good enough. It will take the form of the inner critic, which I write about also in the book, or what I call the ick, right? So um, what do we do with these? We have to address these parts of ourselves um, that are sort of stopping us from moving forward and understand 
that they are actually trying to help us in ways. And if we can understand what those ways are and sort of make friends with that, the enemy of the voice as an enemy sort of becomes our ally. And we can use that energy to move forward because there's always a way to move forward because guess what? Plenty of other people have done it. Well, let's stop for a second. So you talk about becoming friends with the enemy. The enemy in this context is that voice in your head telling you you can't do it. What do you mean by becoming friends of the enemy? Right. So um, perhaps the inner critic says you are not good enough to write a screenplay. Okay. Basic one, right? Sure. Um, so what the, what the, what that inner critic or what that voice is really trying to do is keep you safe. That's what fear is almost always trying to do. It's keeping you safe from the rejection that you might find when you finish this thing or when you do it or from your peers or whatever. But if you make friends with this voice that says you're not good enough, what you're really finding is it is possible to use that energy to say like, oh, how can I get better at writing screenplays? You know, in that voice, and I'm speaking from experience, mm -hmm. that voice can be debilitating. That voice can be responsible for making you wait five months or five years to actually take action. Or a lifetime. Person, yeah. Yeah, or a lifetime. And, and it's really powerful. Um, and it's really difficult to overcome. So I, I think it's nice in theory to say, hey, just, you know, that voice is, is trying to keep you safe. But what are some strategies you use to kind of ignore that voice? Well, again, it's not really about ignoring the voice. Ignoring the voice actually makes it louder in your subconscious. So, um, you know, we didn't really talk about this uh, at the intro, but besides all this creative stuff, I'm also a life coach and I've practiced something called NLP. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Repatterning. And it's a sort of fringy kind of psychology that helps people untangle their subconscious blocks so that they can make better choices to live better lives. So what's really happening here with all of us in pretty much every way is that our subcon these subconscious voices or ideas or identities or beliefs that we have either about ourselves or about the world are influencing our actions. Okay, so what we really need to do is not push it down, not ignore it, but be conscious of it. And again, make friends with it. Understand that this is a, you know, it's just one part of you. And the part of you is designed to keep you safe. It's not serving you in this case, right? In some cases, it's like, don't get too close to the edge of the cliff or you're going to fall off. Or, hey, you know, there's the saber-toothed right. tiger. That's legit. <laughs> it, yeah, it absolutely is legit because those things are, are – are, are, they're life-threatening. They're life-threatening. But guess what? Writing a screenplay that is not, you know, an Oscar winner for your first time or even, you know, ever, it's not life-threatening. It's just stopping you from, from activating your truth and telling the stories that you need to tell. So we, we really need to put this into perspective. Um, that's, that's what I believe in, you know, through my classes and stuff, we get into all kinds of this stuff, but it, it is a big deal. And it really does. It really is the super villain 
of the creative self. It really does squash people even before they start. Well, I'm, let's just continue using your example of the person that's trying to write a screenplay, but they're debilitated by fear, mm-hmm. and, they're make, and they may not even recognize it as fear. Their procrastination, their, their idea that, oh, um, I don't know, I, I can't write anything today because I, I need to figure this thing out first. You know, all those, all those little rules you give yourself to, to hold off on doing what needs to be done. So uh, let's just use me as an example. Let's say that I'm trying to write that screenplay and I'm exactly how I just described, you know, that situation. I'm scared. I don't know. I'm scared. It's been two months since I told people I was going to write a screenplay and I've gotten one page done. Mm -hmm. What strategy would you, would you give me to sort of take things to the next level? Sure. So one of the pieces is quite possibly you are taking this whole thing too seriously right? I, and believe me, all this comes from personal experience. Sure. Right. Um, I'm taking this so seriously that writing the screenplay is going to save my life. It's going to make me a million dollars, you know, whatever, you know, your vision of that is. So the first thing you, you might want to consider is just like loosening up on your concept of what this is about. So maybe what you could do is, Hey, write a scene, Type it into your computer there, print it out, and then rip it up and delete the file. What? <laughs> it's crazy talk. But I want that is crazy talk. I mean, I just spent all this time writing this scene. Like, and now you're telling me to rip it up? Exactly. Let me tell you a little story. When I was in uh, college, I took a pottery class. Right. So we get this thing going, uh, you know, with the wheel and all this and that, and all the students make like make their first pot. Okay. okay. And we come back the next week and we sit there with the teacher and we talk about it. And, uh, you know, what's the struggles, what's the triumphs, all that kind of stuff. Then the guy's like, okay, follow me. And we go down the hall into this room and it's like this, it's like this windowless bunker of cinder blocks. Okay. <laughs> and we all go in this room and he's like, put on, put on these goggles. We're like, okay. It's like, okay, smash your pot. We're like, oh my gosh. We're like, what? Smash? We just worked on this. He's like, yeah, smash it. Throw it against the wall. Do what you want. So we smash all these pots. And then we come back to the class and like, why did we do that? What was that about? His point was, what you create in this world is both, you know, sort of like sacred. You know, this is the thing that I created. This is my pot. This is my screenplay. This is my scene. And guess what? If you're an artist there and you're committed to your craft, there's going to be tons more of this stuff. So just let it go. Create That's it really and let it go. It was, well, you know, go I, I was going to, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but you know, you got me thinking one of the observations I've seen, especially with my own filmmaking, right? If you look at any of the short films I did and even the features that I did, I now think they all suck. Um, but at the time, some of them I might have thought had a little spark of brilliance or creativity, but now they all suck. And and what I've come to the conclusion in my own conversations with, with other filmmakers that feel like their own stuff sucks, you know, just using that as an example, mm-hmm. I think there's a certain degree of growth that you're hitting on too. Um, because what I've realized is any work that you do 10 years from now, your standards are going to rise so much. Your experience is going to go up so much that whatever you thought was good in the past 
probably isn't going to be as good to you anymore. So if you know that everything you make is going to suck anyway, what are you afraid of? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and by the way, sucking and not sucking is a completely subjective experience based on your own perception, right? And that doesn't mean that's anybody else's percep perception, right? And being the creator, you are going to be the most critical. So two stories on this one. Simon and Garfunkel, right? American yeah. classic. These guys go into the studio. They're, they're cutting a record. They do a bunch of songs. And they finish this one. And uh, they're like, ah, this song is really no good. I don't think we should put it on the album. It's, you know, it's all right, but whatever. And the producer says, uh, this one is going on the album. This one's good. They're like, nah, it kind of sucks. Anyway, the producer got his way. Sound of Silence. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right? One of the, like, biggest songs, most powerful, poignant, beautiful songs. These guys, when they made it, they didn't even like it. Yeah, that's subjective. You know, I heard it before. It was said that some people like Brussels sprouts. I happen to be somebody who likes them if they're prepared correctly. <laughs> and and I always see that as sort of the analogy for creativity and the stuff that you're producing that, you know, even if you are your own worst critic, somebody out there is going to like it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, this kind of story just goes on and on. I, I've been a huge fan of the band U2 for, mm -hmm. for decades. And I recently heard an interview with Bono. And, you know, you too, right? They've, they've been around for, I don't know, 30 or 40 years or something already and sold hundreds of millions of records. And what does Bono say? Yeah, our first three albums kind of kind of sucked, you know. I'm like, dude, seriously? Sunday, bloody Sunday, I will follow. Like, really? This launched this amazing career. He thinks they sucked. This is probably going to date me, but the first CD I ever bought was the Joshua Tree album. And, awesome. Uh, it's still, to this day, those songs are classic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, we, we should be so fortunate as artists. And, and, it, and to kind of pull it back around, so that, that kind of becomes a standard sometimes, you know, using maybe not necessarily Bono, but, but some of these other artists out there, big-time producers, you know, that are, that are doing, like, amazing work. Sometimes you, as an independent filmmaker, go into a project and you're comparing yourself to all the greats and you're comparing mm -hmm. yourself to all the major motion pictures that have been produced. And from your perspective, it's very easy to look at these things and say, Oh, oh my, my stuff's not that, that, that good. And, and it kind of hits on what you're talking about here where maybe it doesn't have to be that good because you're not yet at that experience level. Maybe, maybe if you looked at some of these, you know, greats, if you looked at some of their early work, maybe that early work probably sucked. I would, you know? I would guarantee that their early work sucked. Anyone who has gotten anywhere in life and in creativity has failed many, many, many times. The question is not if, is, if you're going to fail. The question is, what are you going to do with that? So I talk in my book, fail fast. Okay. And what this means to me is, yeah, go out and do your thing, make your film, write your screenplay, whatever. If you fail in certain ways, it's not really failure if you ask the questions to squeeze the wisdom out of it so that you can learn what went wrong. If you can learn what went, what went wrong, you can then change it so that you can then 
<laughs> you know, do it better the next time. Do that fast enough, well enough, and long enough, and you will become one of those greats. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, so so maybe a strategy, and, and this is something I talk about, but you're, you're kind of reinforcing it, is the idea for independent filmmakers, especially as they're coming up, to make as many short films and as many weekend projects as they possibly can. And it's not necessarily because they're trying to be great, that they're trying to get into a film festival, that they're even trying to show it to anybody. It's so that they can learn from their mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, you can learn stuff by watching videos, by reading books, by listening to podcasts. That's all great. And I totally, you know, thumbs up for everybody who's, you know, seeking knowledge. But that is different than experience. When you're out there in the world doing this stuff, you will learn things that you cannot read or watch or something like that. So talk a little bit about yourself. I mean, how did you overcome some of your own challenges? Because I assume, to you know, it's, I've written a book. It's not an easy thing to do. And then you put yourself out there and you, and you kind of really open yourself up to criticism and all these other things, you know, kind of hitting on our theme for the day. How did you overcome some of those challenges? Well, I mean, that's a huge question, and there's there have been many, many, many challenges, um, both internal and external, meaning things like the inner critic and t- time management and things like that, um, yeah. and, and the external world. Oh, it costs some money to make a movie. Uh, the music industry has completely screwed me again. You know, things, right. things like this. Um, what do you have to do? One is, you know, that fail fast and learn from your mistakes, like we talked about. Um, Another thing is really not to take it personally, right? So one of the things creatives tend to do is we tend to believe that what we create is the value of our creation is equal to the value of ourselves. And this is not true. Okay. So when you think of, you know, an accountant, oops, they screwed up the taxes. That's not cool, whatever. But they're probably not going to like internalize this. Like I'm a bad person. Right. Right. Whereas an artist, you know, if you're doing it right, when you're writing your screenplay or making your movie or whatever, you're hopefully you're putting in your authenticity and your passion and your power and all that kind of stuff. If there is levels of rejection, which there will be guaranteed, right? It is critical that we don't equate that negativity with ourselves or that value. Oh, your screenplay didn't win that contest. It doesn't mean you suck as a person. It means there was a better screenplay or somebody thought there was a better screenplay. It's not even the truth, really. It's just a, just a concept. I see that play out all the time with filmmakers where they'll make a film and they'll get in. Well, they'll, they'll attempt to get it in the festivals and they're rejected by 10 festivals in a row. And then they get into another festival and they actually get in. But not only do they get in, but they win the award for best picture or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a really interesting thing, because I think it it really points to the fact that a lot of this is subjective. And a lot of it is you kind of overcoming your own belief system and your own self-doubt, because Unlike the accountant analogy that, that you described, it, it's hard to put yourself out there as an artist. And, and I agree with you that sometimes when people take a look at your work and, and they reject it, you almost think that you're not good enough in general. So why even bother? Absolutely. 
Um, so two things uh, I have to comment on that. One is it absolutely takes a massive amount of courage to be an artist, to be, to be a creator, right? The, no the normal people in the world do not do this because, because it's so scary because they let fear overtake that or it's not part of their personality. They're not really that interested, but it does take a huge amount of uh, courage to do this. The second part of it is, you know, you talked about, oh, I didn't get into these film festivals, you know, whatever. Part of that is the market that you, uh, that people are um, addressing or coming into. So let me just tell you a quick story with, uh, in my world, I made my first short film called Mystic Coffee, about a wise and magical barista. And I put it out to, to I don't even know, dozens of film festivals. And I got shot down by every single one of them. I'm like, oh my God, really? Does this film suck this much? Do I suck this much? Right? And I'm sitting there and like maybe three months later, I get a call out of the blue. And it's this woman and she says, yeah, we saw your movie. A friend of ours um, at another film festival turned us on to this. We'd like to license your movie for international distribution. It was Gaia TV, which is this conscious media network, sort of like Netflix. Sure. And tens and tens of thousands of views, royalty checks for the last five years. It's like, okay, what happened there was the mainstream did not get what I was doing. The mainstream film festivals. Gaia is like, yeah, please. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you, uh, you, found, you found your audience, as they would say. Yes, exactly. And shooting for the big time is, it's really not sustainable. And it really is such a small chance of success that I recommend to people to understand who they really want to make this movie for. Like, really. And I'm not saying, you know, like Hollywood is going to tell you, you know, we need the mass audience. Where, you right. know, how's it going to play in the Midwest and all that kind of stuff, right? But the truth is, as an independent especially, write your movie and make your movie for the exact people that you want to tell your story to. So in my case with Mystic Coffee, it was people who are interested in self-growth, right? Most of the world doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. But some people really care about that stuff. Right. And, the, and those people are the ones that are super passionate that immediately see what you're trying to do. And, and boom, you've made that connection. Exactly. Yeah. Well, tell, tell me a, a little bit about uh, morning routine. We talked about small steps and overcoming this fear and or not necessarily overcoming it, but living with it and letting it propel us. Mm -hmm. So we get up in the morning. What do you recommend from a creative standpoint to keep yourself productive? Oh, man. So I realize that everyone in the world has a different sort of version of what their life looks like in the morning. However, it is my experience that starting the day right informs the entire day. So here are the pieces that you may want to consider. One, get some exercise. It is just like so key. It's so obvious. You hear it a million times. Get some exercise. 
eat a good breakfast. If you're, you know, eating the sugary cereal and stuff like that, it's just going to take you down, you know, have a smoothie, have eggs, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, if you're into meditation and I very, very highly recommend it, meditate for 15 minutes, right? Just find that stillness because that's where your truth really lives. The world is going to knock you off balance. As soon as you turn on social media and the email and all that stuff, find your center and then visualize what you want from the day. Okay. So when I woke up this morning, I visualized, Hey, I want to have this amazing conversation on this podcast and bring all this, like, hopefully, you know, wisdom and helpfulness and value to all of your listeners. Right. Right. And then you kind of just step into what you already envisioned. So, you know, and then, and then like really looking at your habits, like what, if, what, if, what parts of your habits are just not working, right? Do you start the day and, you know, go to your desk and, and look at Facebook for an hour? Like that can't be good, <laughs> right? It just can't be. No, I, I, uh, I've, I've just gotten out of the bad habit and, and it's tough of reading political news first thing in the morning. And that has put me in a bad mood pretty much every, <laughs> every day. <laughs> I don't recommend that. No, not helpful. Like what, what is the good? And so when you look at that, what you can look at is, well, what am I getting out of that? Right. And is it really positive or not? You know, why did, why would somebody read that? Well, one, because it's a habit because I've been doing it forever. Two, because, wow, you know, maybe this anger sort of fires up my negativity, which gives me energy, which is true biologically. Right. But that doesn't. Right, but you have to, yeah, you have to wonder if that's productive or not. It, it, right. It's, you know, it's productive if you want to be an angry guy all day. <laughs> but, but, but it's not productive if you want to be centered into your truth and write a story and think clearly about your business and your work and your creativity, right? Because it's already, it's already clouded by that anger. And then for people, you know, once you kind of get the morning going, there's a lot of people listening to this probably on their way to a job that they totally don't like whatsoever. And then by the time they get home, they're too exhausted to work towards their creative goals. Mm -hmm. what, what's your recommendation for people in that pattern? Yes. Um, let me tell you a story to answer that question. Since we're a bunch of storytellers, it's perfect. Yeah. So I knew this woman and she had three young kids and worked full time and did volunteer work. She was also a novelist. Okay. Wow. And before the kids and the family, she was writing novels and, you know, things were working out all right. Once she had this family, you know, it was tough. So every once in a while, when the kids were in bed, she'd get a half an hour on a Tuesday night. Maybe the husband would take uh, the kids out and she'd get an hour or two on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. But basically, it wasn't going anywhere. And after years and years of this, she finally said, screw this. I must make a change to, to you know, sort of benefit herself and, and, you know, honor herself and her creativity. So what she decided, she made a commitment. She was going to wake up an hour and a half early every day, every weekday. She would wake up, 
She would have her coffee, the house was quiet, and she would write for an hour. Guess what? A year later, her next novel was done. So what, so what this is about is priorities, okay? Yes, it's way harder to wake up an hour earlier. And yes, you're not going to end up spending your last hour of the day staring at, you know, at the TV or doing whatever you're doing. But what is going to happen is you're going to be stepping forward on your creative dreams and finding your truth, right? And that is a powerful thing. And once you, I mean, you do that for a week and you're going to see that you're getting somewhere. Yes, it's going to be hard. Of course it's hard. Everything good in this world is hard, right? But if you commit to it, you will move forward. Well, this, this is great. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now that feel a bit more inspired. And I think the idea of coming up with that morning routine and frankly starting it a bit earlier in the day so that you can take baby steps towards your big vision is, is really practical advice. Um, if people wanted to find out more about your philosophy and frankly, your book, where would they go and how could they reach out to you? Yeah, I got plenty of philosophies, man. I'm just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, blog posts, videos, all that kind of stuff. And the book, the best way is to just go to my website, Jeff Uh, hopefully you can just write that out there. Um, on your page. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and spell it just because, um, you know, just make it easy for everybody. Sure. J-E-F-F, Lizowitz is L-E-I-S, like Sam, A-W-I-T-Z.com. If you put that into Google, you will find exactly one Jeff Lizowitz in the universe. <laughs> and he's got a website, so uh, you should be able to find it. Fantastic. And the book's available on Amazon.com as well. And that's called uh, Not Effing Around, the No BS Guide for Getting Your Creative Dreams Off the Ground. Thanks so much, Jeff, for stopping by. And for all of you listeners, I highly recommend you check out Jeff's book. And as always, take action and make your movie now. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now.